Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We are uh, going to, inshallah, finish Surah Yasin today. So we left you last time on this verse of the Quran al-Kareem, al-Mujrimun, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say on that day to the Mujrims. Infidels is a particular way to translate that, but it means the people who were the wrongdoers, people, the criminals, that they should separate, they should do imtiaz, they should distinguish themselves, separate themselves, they should stand alone, so that they can be singled out for a special type of process on that day, Ya Ayyuhal Mujrimun, Ayyuhal Mujrimun. And I mentioned to you that Imam Munifariyamullah used to sometimes spend the whole night just reciting this verse over and over again in Nafil Salaam, making dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not include him amongst the Mujrimun, but rather include us amongst the Mu'mineen. And the notion here is that when Allah ta'ala issues this command, there will be people on the Day of Judgment who are trying to hang out with the believers a weak belief, thinking that, okay, there's some safety here. After this command, they will not be allowed to do that. They will not be allowed to keep the company of the believers. They will be forced, by virtue of this hukam, to separate themselves out and leave the sanctuary or safety of that company. Then Allah <coughs> mentions that, who are these people? Right? What exactly, how do you become a mujrim? So Allah SWT is saying, right, that I told you, Bani Adam, and it was all of humanity, that you should not worship shaitan. Now this is an interesting ver- word Allah is using, ta'budu, from ibadah. Now most of us will say, well, we don't do ibadah of shaitan, nobody worships shaitan, I mean, Allah, <laughs> some satanic cult. But what's being mentioned here is that this, no, when you follow shaitan, or his whispers, or his wishes for you, over the wills and wishes and desires of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is worship. It means the word ibadah has been understood and used in different ways in the Qur'an and Qur'an. One way is ibadah, what we do, sajda, to literally worship. Another way, and that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, Do you not notice that person who takes as their God? Ilah means ma'bud, who takes their own hawa, their own whims, their own desires, their own wishes as a being that they submit to. So here you can translate this, that you should not submit to shaitan. Right? Do not submit your will and your wishes to the will and wishes of shaitan because he is an open, manifest, declared enemy for you. He is declared... And what is that? What is that open enemy? People misunderstand, what is he? He's not open. I can't see him. He himself is unseen. It's his enmity that is open. How? That he declared his enmity directly to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the presence of Allah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Sayyidina Adam that whole conversation happened, at that moment shaitan openly declared his enmity for all of humanity. In front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how much more open can you be? In front of Allah and in front of Adam So therefore he has declared his enmity openly for you. Allah ta'ala in, through his wahi and his revelation is openly declaring for us how we should uh, be with him. And, right, so Allah Ta'ala is contrasting here. So here worship me would here again mean ibadah in the same way that it was being used for shaitan. Right, there might be many of us who do do ibadah of Allah, but Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is saying here that the same thing you gave shaitan, you should be giving me, which is that submission. You should submit to me the way you are submitting to shaitan. You should follow my wills and my wishes the way you are following hills and his wishes. And another way that nukta to look at this is what does shaitan do? Shaitan has been given the power not of wahi, he doesn't send wahi on enough to make us follow him. He doesn't give hukam, he gives waswasa. So it means that just the way you follow shaitan's slightest wasawis, you should actually follow Allah Ta'ala's ishara. Allah Ta'ala's slightest indication of pleasure should be enough for you to follow him as opposed to shaitan. 
So even if you want to follow inclinations, isharat, we should follow the isharat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because hadha salatul mustaqim. This is another definition of the straight path that we did in Surah Al-Fatiha. The path is the path of ibadah of Allah, the path of staying away from shaitan, right? And the path of following the each and every slight thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. He has, right, <coughs> brought into the lala kathiran, an abundance of human beings from amongst you. But even then you don't have akal, right? So if you look at one here, what is the usage of the word akal here? Akal is being used not for rational, akal is being used to do not see how shaitan has deprived people or derailed people from the proper path and do not use your akal to do this previous command that you'd only do the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So akal would lead to this conclusion, akal can lead to no other, con- that akal salim, that akal which is salim, which is sound, cannot lead to any conclusion other than the sanatul mustaqim. So if you will, these two verses combined would suggest in modern speak that sanatul mustaqim is rational. <laughs> uh, but akal, rationality is not the best way to translate the word akal, especially akal salim. Those of you who took the Islamic spirituality class would remember that we did this reading by Hakim al-Tirmidhi, in which he mentions that the akal is actually not what we think it is, it's not your intellectual faculty, it's the lub, ya'ul al-albab, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this, this is the akal al-salim, which means an akal that is, has made itself, uh, adorned itself, and submitted and aligned itself with the sharia. That the akal is ayn mutabik to wahid on the Qur'an and sunnah. That is the pure akal. That is the type of akal that Allah Ta'ala is saying, that you use. Do you not use your lobe? Do you not use your akal is And the lobe is part of your ruh. Right? Parent. Those of you who took that class would follow that. So for again, for the mujrimun, what is going to be said to them? First they will be addressed. This is all the same thing. Separate yourselves. Didn't we tell you not to follow shaitan? And now see, this is that jahannam, this is that punishment, this is that hellfire that you were promised. That you were promised or that these actions that you committed have earned. Right? Enter today. Right? This is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That enter into Jannah today, become part of Jahannam, become part of Jannah today. Bima kuntum takfurun, that you were always a denier because of your kufr. So jurum leads to kufr. This is very self-explanatory stuff. Here, this is a day, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used, mentioned different stages in the Quran, not to be confused. There's another place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that they will be silent, and, or their tongues will testify against them. That is one marhala. That your tongue will te- our tongues will testify against us. Then there will be a seal set on those tongues. And then the hands will speak, right? The legs will bear witness. How will they do so? Allah But Allah Ta'ala, just like He gave the tongue the ability to do nutq, or to utter kalam, or to utter speech, just like that, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala can easily give our hands, our arms, our legs, the ability to speak. And what will they, we be saying? There are four things that testify against or for a person on the Day of Judgment. Number one is their book of deeds itself. The book of deeds itself will testify as to what a person did or did not do. The second is kiram and katibin. The angels will also testify separately. Allah subhanahu wa does this. You can, some people have taken this nukta out in the hudud punishments. Four witnesses are required. 
perspective, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mandated on this earth that before he inflicts a had punishment, four witnesses are required to before he inflicts the had of Jahannam, there will be four witnesses that will be required on the day of judgment to testify against this person. Number one is the book of deeds. Second on the Quran and to be in the angels. Number three is this, his own limbs, his own organs. And some of us say that this is just a beginning, the umumi mana means in every organ. This is tongue, hands, legs, this is zikr khas this is what is being mentioned. Right? But what is being applied is that all of a person's organs and limbs will testify as to whatever they did. That is the third and the fourth is the earth upon which we did those actions. Those pieces of soil and earth will say that so-and-so did this sin on me at this moment. This soil will say so-and-so did so much sajda on me at this moment. So four witnesses will come against us. Okay? Why? Allah SWT doesn't need any of these four. Allah SWT does not need any of these four. Obviously Allah SWT Himself knows, right? But this is part of the process and in some ways part of the ordeal in Day of Judgment. You see, let's say the judge already knows, but one way that to inflict more punishment uh, on the defendant or on the criminals to put them through the whole ordeal, that one after the other people come and testify against him, right? Over and over so that he gets even more and more fear that it's an inevitable outcome. So much so that by the time so much testimony passes, he's just waiting for, he's just rather the judgment be passed. He wishes the testifying would end. This will be the state of these people, that they will be waiting for their hands to stop speaking. They will be dying for their tongue to stop speaking. They will be dying, just let that decree happen and let us go into Jahannam. This itself is part of the torment. If we so will, we could wipe out their eyes in this world. Right? This is what I mentioned to you before in spiritual, in the purification session. Him, if Allah Taala wanted to, He can dispense with all of these asbab, even with the whole day judgment, and just snuff them out right now. Right? And they would be racing away. But what would they see? How would they see? Allah Taala. in other words, if you blind someone, they start running around. Right? If you snuff out their eyes, because they're unable to see. But Allah Taala hasn't done that. This is His helm. He lets them continue and use their free will to do whatever germ that they're doing. If we want, we could disfigure them in places. This is an ishara that in previous ummas, unlike this ummah, in previous ummas you have mentioned that Allah Ta'ala changed the disobedient ones into pigs or into donkeys or into monkeys. Right? Very famous saying in Surah Baqarah that a group of Bani Israel were turned into monkeys. This itself can explain what Darwin maybe thinks he's discovered, right? Maybe this is the lost tribe of the Bani Israel, the descendant of those monkeys, Allah Hallam, right? This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not do to this ummah. So, and this is why the believers really felt this verse. Because they felt that Mujrim would not in any way that this verse is confined to the sinning believers, but because of this verse that Allah is saying that He will not disfigure them. So they knew, like Imam Unifah and these ulama knew that it's the Ummah Mustafa that will not be disfigured. So maybe this verse of Mujrimun applies to the sinning believers. And then they would view themselves as a sinning believer, that I'm a Mujrim, I'm a sinning believer. So what will happen to me? Is this what's going to happen to me on the Day of Judgment? And so they would recite this verse and make special dua. So if Allah willed, He could have done so. Such that they would not be able to move, given them some type of physical state which they're rendered immobile, nor could they return, they couldn't go forward, they couldn't go backward, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't do so. This is his him. Then Allah mentions that whomsoever we give long life, let's say somebody is uh, taking pride, doing fakr, that they've gone to a ripe old age. So look, Allah hasn't done anything to me. I'm 70 year old Marxist and I'm going strong. I'm an 80 year old atheist and I'm perfectly fine and my health is fine. Right? 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is that Right, that we reverse him in creation, do they not have any sense? What does this mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is we reverse them in creation? One meaning is obviously that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will revive them, right? Uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them, will bring them back. You see, when you, in the Day of Judgment, going to some hadith, a person will be raised at a particular age. Different ages are given, but the overall sense of those hadith is a young middle age, 20s or 30s, right? You won't be standing there uh, in your old age. You will be standing there in your middle age. Another way this has been mentioned in reversing human creation is that even though you've been given old age, Allah Ta'ala reverses your abilities. So your eyesight starts going away in your old age, right? Your teeth start rotting and decaying, your knees, your joints, all of these things start wearing down. So even though a person is giving them old age, Allah Ta'ala reverses them in the quality of their creation. And this is what, then if you take it this way, afala yakulun, then either way, Either don't you reflect that your old age is no mean a fucker, or this, that do you not reflect that, look, I'm getting old, my time is about to end. Even if I'm priding myself on being 80, my 80-year-old being is not as fit as my 40-year-old self was. So this is a sign that I'm coming closer to that inevitable thing called death, which means I'm coming closer to my meeting with my Lord and to the judgment in the Yom Al-Qiyamah. So, and this is a very often refuted theme that a person's aging process is meant, and this I'm using 70, 80, if you're 25, that's enough. I mean, reflect at age 25, you're not the person you were when you were 18. Right? You're not as happy-go-lucky as you were, or as carefree a life, or as irresponsible a life as you were when you were in A-levels. Go back to your days in A-levels when you used to play cricket all night long in North Nazarbad streets, right? or ride the wagons going to school. Right? Those days are over. These days are also going to be over. Right? Uh, so it means to reflect, right? to reflect. Next now we have a new topic Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing The unbelievers One of their other right, critiques That they would say that Rasulullah is just a poet He's just a extremely right, Gifted poet And the Quran is just poetry Elsewhere the Quran The real answer to this Allah says that fine Then bring a surat like it if you can Bring an ayat like it if you can If it is just poetry Right, a very famous incident that one of the famous uh, non-Muslim at that point Arab po- poets was approached by the Quraysh that look, this is the challenge that has been given by the Quran al-Karim, so come up with a poem. So what he did is he took Surah Al-Kothar. Inna atayna kal-Kothar wanhar wal-Abtar. This looks like a quatrain unfinished. Looks like there should be a fourth thing. So this is, this is very easy. <laughs> Just finish the fourth line and we'll be able to say we've answered the challenge of the Quran al-Karim. So he worked at it, worked at it, worked at it. All he was able to come up with was at the end he said, مَا هَذَا كَلَامُ الْبَشَرِ That this is not the speech of a human being. وَمَا هَذَا كَلَامُ الْبَشَرِ And this is not the speech of a human being. That's all he could come up with to fill in that fourth line. However, Allah subhanahu here is saying that it is not proper for them. وَمَا يَنْبَغِي لَهُ It does not befit the Prophet ﷺ that he would ever do this. Right? That he would ever come up with his own words and put them in verse form and pass it off as divine revelation. This is not that person. This is a person who would never ever do that. So there's nothing of the sort, but rather what is this Quran? In this is in, for those of you who know Arabic, this is in nafia. That this is not, but, this, when this comes with in and illa together, this, can, this is nothing except dhikrun, a zikr. 
Now, zikr can be used here in many ways, right? It's a zikr, it's an admonishment, it's a reminder, it's a remembrance, it's a nasiha. وَقُرْآنٌ مُّبِينٌ And it is a clear and manifest recitation. Clear and manifest, what is it? Mubin here, number one, it is bayan. It explicates everything. Second, it's mubin, it's apparent. The haq is clear. Anybody who really looks at this will realize it's not poetry. It's not poetry, but it is the absolute manifestation of the ultimate and absolute truth. So that it may warn the yunzida man kana hayyan. So that it may warn that person who is alive. So the notion here is just simply being alive, spiritually alive, right? Is going to be a shart in order to get the benefit or the clear manifest hidayah that mubin dhikr from the Quran al Karim. And so that it may establish permanently a firm stance, a qawl, establish a hujjah alul kafirin on the kafirin. Right? What does this mean on the Day of Judgment? They will be told, look, you were warned. Everything that you were claiming to be as a shock and surprise was clearly and utterly spelt out and mentioned to you earlier in the scripture that you chose to reject. Then, do they not see that we created for them cattle? Among things made directly by our hands and they became their owners. Bukhar, this is something that we did earlier in the beginning. Allah Ta'ala mentioned the different ni'mas. He started with the ni'mas in the ard, the ni'mas in the samawat, right? This is also a blessing, right? That Allah subhanahu wa what is this? The asal thing here is luhum malikun. That Allah Ta'ala, He is al-malik, but He has allowed us to have temporary possession of property on this earth. Otherwise, the candles are the makhluk of Allah. What right do we have to own them, to make them plow our fields, to harness them, to use them for transport, to put goods upon them? There's so many usages that we have for animals, right? Who in the world enabled us to do that when these animals are actually physically much stronger than us? Right? Who has made these animals submissive to all of this hard manual labor that we put them through? Or that we are able, I mean you see this in Eid al-Adha, uh, I don't know, 600 pound or 300 pound cows slaughtered by one 150 pound man. Who has put this system into place? What is it about that cattle that he should have I mean if he really wanted to, he should be able to kill that man, right? So this is Allah subhanahu has given us milkiyat. He's given us possession, ownership, mastery over animals and sun. Just cattle being mentioned or animals and in Kanai the whole world. And so we brought them under their control. So as some of them are their means of transport, some of them they eat. This has been done. And for them, there are other benefits. There are many other things, right? I mentioned plowing the land, etc., etc. And things to drink. That normally, in the, as in human beings and most of the animal world, scientifically, they should be producing milk for their own offspring, right? But human beings have this unique thing that obviously when they're babies they take the milk from their own mother, but for the rest of their life they drink the milk of other animals. Cow or goat or here you drink buffalo, right? There they drink camel, right? Uh, this is actually something itself to reflect upon is an amazing thing, right? This is also a way that Allah has made animals subservient to us. That their basic primal motherly need is also not just given to their children, but that's also been given up to human beings. Right? So that's another benefit. So wouldn't they not be grateful? Afala yashkurun. Can they not be grateful that looking at this example of just one animal, the cow, how much Allah Ta'ala has given us from this one animal, the cow? Right? Uh, so is it not something to be grateful? Imagine if Allah made the animals such that they would never give you milk. What would you be drinking? Hmm? <laughs> You'd be drinking, well, till here you drink powder and water, right? You would have invented in 2008 artificial milk 
right? But even that artificial milk is a ravaj, from a ravaj based on that you were drinking the milk of animals for so many years. They have adopted Elas, they have adopted uh, deities, gods, other than Aspatal, so that they may be Habla Allahum Yunsarun. Some of the, now this is now for the Mushrikeen as opposed to Gufar. The Mushrikeen of Makkah Makarama says, no problem, we have our own gods. Why do we need to accept this person as a prophet? We have our gods, or the idols, are sitting there in the Kaaba. We have our own religion. And then, even if this person tries to do something to us, we'll go to our gods for help. Let him call on his god, and we will call on our gods. Right? Adopted is what takhudim mean they've taken. Right? They've taken. Ittikhaz is much more strong than adopted. They've latched onto, they've grabbed onto. They've put all of their hopes and all of their beliefs ittikhaz into other deities, false gods other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They cannot help them. These false gods are not going to be able to do anything. Right? Uh, rather, you are helping them. <laughs> right? The famous story of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, all of you know. Right? Nothing could help those idols from being smashed, but rather those people came and helped those idols by defending them and trying to kill Ibrahim salam. So the remarks must not grieve you. This is Huzn. Oh my beloved messenger, وسلم, them calling you a poet, them saying we have our own gods, them saying our own gods will help us. Any of the things that they say should not bring you into any huzn. Allah subhanahu is going to handle them. Unko Allah ke hawala kardo. Allah is fully watching them. He knows everything that they conceal. Allah knows our sir. Allah knows our secret self, our innermost self. And He knows what we do openly. So the Prophet should not be in any state of worry. Did man not see that we have created him from a drop? Then suddenly he stood as an open air. So this is another theme Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran al-Kareem. Remind us of our humble origins, right? And in particular, uh, for example, in Hanafi fiqh, uh, this drop is najis. So our origins is that we origin from something that is najis, from something that is impure. This is the sabab. Obviously our origin was the hukam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the sabab for our creation was something as so small, minute, petty, insignificant as a drop of najasa. Right, but then when he grows up, he doesn't remember his humble origins. He feels that he's proud. And therefore he can declare, he can become a chaseem, which is a protagonist, or he's translated as adversary, as a litigant, as a fighter. Mubini openly tries to square off against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Either by believing in false gods or within the believers, square off against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by leaving things or setting up as things as rivals to his belief. Allah has set up an argument, right? against us and forgot his creation Allah said who will give life to the bones when they are declared when they are decayed alright so this person who was created from this najis drop and now has become so arrogant has tried to set up an argument against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ضرباللنا مثلنا it means a likeness up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ونسيه خلقه and he forgets his own origins he forgets his own creation right and then he asks, right, rhetorically or sarcastically, that who is there who is going to revive these bones? Right? When I pass away, who is there who is going to bring me back to life? Allah subhanahu wa says, Oh my beloved, that that same being who created them in the first place is going to be the being who brings them back. Who is it who gave you your bones and your body in the first place? It's that same being who's going to give it back to you. That same being who created you from a drop of najasa will be able to resurrect you from the ashes in your grave. Right? 
He is fully aware of all creation. The one who created for you. Now what did he do? He made you fire from the green tree. This was referring to several types of trees at that time that were green, they were lush, they were moist. Right? And Badahar, you would think that you could not be able to get fire from them, you would not be able to burn them. But Allah subhanahu wa made it in such a way that you were able to burn them. Another report is that the two types of trees that were green and were lush, but when they used to rub the twigs of each against one another, somehow a flame would be sparked. So Allah subhanahu is mentioning that, that even this type of trees or this way that you have of making fire is also khilafi akam, because otherwise this. this Wet twigs or branches should not have been flammable. Do you not reflect upon that? That this is the same being who's done even such, looked after such small or minor of your needs. Is even set up in such a way that you can make fire, and in no time you were able to ignite that fire. Is that is it that the one who has created the heavens and the earth, the firmaments, the heavens, the skies, and the earth, is he not? Does he not have that power? Right. To create ones who are like them. He can replace them and bring another creation. He can bring a whole new creation from anew. He can raise them back from the dead. Why not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the supreme creator. Khalaq as opposed to Khalaq. Khalaq is ism mubalagha. Means the ultimate supreme absolute creator. Al-Alim again mubalagha from Al-Alim. So Al-Khalaq and Alim here is Al-Khalaq Al-Alim. He is the infinitely creator, the sole ultimate creator, and the all-knowing one. Innama amruhu idad, the affair of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's whenever he wants to create something, he just says, kun fayakun. So this is the end answer. How are your bones going to come back to life? How are you going to be resurrected? Just one hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will say kun and fayakun, and you will stand up right in front of him in yawm al-hashra, in yawm al-qiyamah, in that plane. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enter, uh, ends this surah, so pure for subhanallah bi yadihi malakut. Pure is that being in whose yad, <laughs> in whose yad, in his kudrat, right, in his power. Hand here means power lies the muluk, the milkiyat, the malakut, the dominion, the power, the sovereignty, kulnishayn, absolute sovereign. He is the absolute sovereign. He has pure sovereignty and dominion over each and everything. وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ And each and everything returns to him. Next word we are going to do is Surat Al-Hujurat. I'll only do a few eyes of it today. In Surah Hujurat there's more tafsir. In Surah Yasin there's not that much khas tafsir that is to be given.